Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. Gentlemen, would you say hello? This is Kevin Kinnor, Biblical Counselor. Hello, this is Joel Bickford, Deacon of Worship. <laughs> hello, by the way. Yeah. Uh, hi, Sam Schmidt, Pastor of Sacred City Moline. All right, Sam sounds surprised. This ah. is his second one. Yeah. Uh, Sam, hopefully, is going to be a regular on the podcast now. We are combining forces, and it's good to have my brother uh, back in the studio with us today. And uh, we are in the series on the disciplines of the spiritual life, walking through Donald Whitney's book and breaking down each um, spiritual discipline and just discovering you know, why God prescribes this in his word, what benefit does it have for us, and then um, how to practice it. That's basically what we're doing. So we're here um, helping you, our listeners, follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life, okay? And what we want to talk about today is the spiritual discipline of meditation, all right? Now, meditation conjures up all kinds of probably um, unbiblical ideas. You know, I immediately think of like OM mm-hmm. and some kind of weird chakra Eastern yeah. yoga type of meditation that is about <clears throat> emptying my mind of everything and becoming one with my inner goddess or god god or, you know, being one with the universe and that is an ungodly form of meditation that Christians are to resist. Mm-hmm. But before all of that garbage was introduced, there was biblical meditation. Mm. And the psalmist writes in Psalm 1, Blessed yeah. is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates mm-hmm. day and night. And then, so here's a command to meditate on the Lord. And here is the benefits. If you do that, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. So here's the promise. By meditating on scripture, your roots go down into the stream of God that nourishes us no matter what season it is. The blazing heat of summer, you will still be fruitful. Your leaf will not wither. Like my grass right now that is dying because of the heat of summer, you won't be like that. You'll be like an oak tree that's roots go down deep. But the wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. So when things get dark, depressing, um, when, when the desert seasons hit, they wither up and dry away. Yep. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So here's the idea. If we want to be Christians, if we want to be people who can withstand whatever season that comes our way. And now listen, there's a lot of seasons. Seasons of blessing, seasons where we're in the midst of cursing. And and I don't mean that necessarily personally, but 
we know as we studied Ezra and Nehemiah, there was a political and corporate judgment that came upon Jerusalem, right? The people of God, because of widespread rebellion and idolatry, they turned away from the Lord. Didn't mean every single person turned away from the Lord, but if you were in that society during that time, like Daniel, right? Shadrach, Meshach, Mm -hmm. Abednego, they all got carried off into Babylon too, even though they were righteous. Mm -hmm. And yet these men, their roots went down deep and they remained faithful in the midst of that primarily because they meditated on the word of the Lord and we see in their, they had a vibrant prayer life as well. Yeah. So our country, I would say right now, we are under the judgment of God. Mm. We have rebelled from God. We've pushed away from him. We've, you know, all kinds of, so as a country, I think we're under the judgment of God right now. And we're in a season <clears throat> that's, uh, we're reaping the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. If we want to, remain fruitful in the midst of being under a season of judgment corporately or um, nationally, let's say, we need to be people that meditate on the word of God, right? So that we're, the scripture says, we're instant in season and out of season. So we have fruit no matter what, right? Hmm. Whether we're making a lot of money in this season or whether we're in a season of poverty, where we're, if we're in a season of health and we're responding appropriately to the Lord and not forgetting the Lord, or we're in a season where we're experiencing sickness or depression or whatever it is. This life, Solomon says, that there's a time and a season for everything under the sun, a time for war and a time for peace, a time for living, a time for death, on and on and on. But the promise for the Christian is if you meditate on the word of God, you can be fruitful and no matter what mm. season comes into your life. Yeah. That's a huge promise. Mm-hmm. Right? So, Sam, I'll start with you. What does it mean to meditate on the word of the Lord? Yeah. You, <clears throat> you were helpful there setting it up. It's, it's not a matter of emptying your mind, uh, clearing the slate, and just waiting for something to come in. You're actually fixing your mind on, on God's word. Um, so it's the truth is there, what I'm going to do is think about the truth. I'm going to ponder it. I'm going to, I, I just pulled this up, uh, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, what if, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, yeah. whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He's talking about meditate, to, to set your mind on those things. Set your mind specifically on the word of God, which is all of the above. Um, and so that's what we're doing. We're, we're fixing our mind on what God says. We're thinking God's thoughts after him mm-hmm. and allowing that um, to, to work inside out from mm-hmm. us, that our hearts, yeah, hearts are molded to our lives are changed. So here, this is, some of you might be going, what, there's another thing I have to do? Well, it's interesting. You can read the Bible and not meditate on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can necessarily study the Bible and not meditate on it. I think meditation is is an aspect of studying, mm. but you can memorize the Bible and not meditate on it. For sure. Like yeah. there is a way you can memorize it like a parrot memorizes whatever we say to it mm-hmm. and you can regurgitate it back. But a meditation, <clears throat> a meditation is like eating a good meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So when you go, if you're reading the Bible, reading the Bible is like stopping by Chick-fil-A on your way to work and yeah. just grabbing something, you're eating it. You're doing this 
because you're in a hurry. You're doing this because you need sustenance. You need to have energy in an hour or two hours, three hours. So you're consuming this knowing it's going, it's just going to give you what you need for the moment, right? But when you go to a great steakhouse or you go to a great restaurant, you're meant to slow your pace. You're meant to enjoy it. You want to get a good drink. You want to have a good atmosphere. You want to have good company. And you're meant to bring that in. And you're not just slamming it down and taking off. You're meant to chew it slow, to savor it, and to enjoy it in the moment. And that in itself, it's an active experience. So the idea that in meditation, you're passive, like something's happening to you. Really, in, in meditation, you're actively yes. engaging your faculties to, and, and not just focus on a thing, but to put out other distractions. Mm-hmm. You experience this when you go to read your Bible. Um, you sit down, you got your cup of coffee, and you're getting ready to get into the Word, and then you think of all of the to-do lists that you have to do this week. Same thing, even to a more extent, happens when when working to meditate on God's Word. It's like you've got all this stuff floating around in your head, and you're you're making a conscious effort to say, I'm not focusing on any of those things right now. I have a singular focus of this Word that's in front of me. I'm going to engage with that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. So I'm treating the Word of God like the Word of God. Like I'm sitting in the presence of the most important person in the universe. And yes, I understand context. This was written to a different person, but through the power of the spirit, there's a sense where this is also written to me Mm -hmm. and God has something for me today. And I want to think about it. I want to meditate. I want to extrapolate out from it. The, all of the implications for my own life. Joshua one, eight says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night Mm -hmm. so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Mm -hmm. So there is a sense where as I meditate on the word of the Lord, I, again, we could go to Romans 12 too, again, if we wanted to do that, that my mind is being renewed. Mm-hmm. Here it says, then you will know what to do. You'll be careful to do all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Romans 12, two says, if when I meditate on the Lord and my mind is transformed by the word of God, then I'll know what the will of God is, what is good, perfect and righteous will of God is, right? So as I meditate on the word of God, I learn, ooh, here's what I need to believe mm-hmm. in this moment. Yeah. Here's what I need to say to my wife. Here's what I need to say to my son. Here's what I need for this next season of my life. Mm-hmm. The word of God becomes to me that good meal that I need to savor and enjoy in this moment. Mm-hmm. And I start running it through my mind and running it through my mind and running it through my mind. And that begins to change me, like you said, from the inside out. Yeah. And th- there's this real aspect of this where the, the duty of a Christian is to keep in step with the spirit and bearing with fruit and bearing fruit and with repentance. And so as I meditate, I'm not only examining the word, but I'm, I'm holding, I'm, I'm looking into the mirror as the word kind of confronts me and myself. Now the preaching of God's word does this community conversation can do this as well, provoke repentance. Um, but God through his spirit, through his reading scripture on a, on a personal individual basis is also working 
so that you would be provoked to repentance, that you would bear fruit coming out of it. And so it really does work in this way that um, revealing the things that uh, my sins that I need to repent of to turn to Christ in faith, to receive the grace and the renewal that comes out of that. Um, and so repentance does have this um, refresh, or excuse me, uh, meditation has this refreshing aspect in it because it's meant to take you through this cycle of mm-hmm. repentance, gospel, faith, yeah. obedience. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's int- as you say that, our personal meditation on scripture works in such a way that, I'm going to switch my metaphors here, it softens up the soil mm. of our heart mm-hmm. to receive the implanted word of God. Yep. So that when I get to Sunday morning, and the confession is up on the screen. I'm not like, I'm not just going to read these words. Who's, you know, I'm not going to read these words. Who, how, you don't know me. Yeah. I don't, you read it and you're like, ooh, right. that is true. Mm-hmm. I have done that. Yep. Yeah. And what I've noticed is the corporate confession is unlike my personal confessions. My c- personal confessions are always so pinpointed mm-hmm. And so like, oh, I lost my temper. I'm sorry. Lord, please repent. You know, oh, I lusted. Lord, please repent me for that. Or repent for that. Oh, I lost track of whatever. They're just very, I don't want to say surface level because those are all sins. But our corporate confession is usually the sin underneath the sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've acted like you aren't good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) We've forgotten how good you are and we think that we need to earn our way back into your, oh man, you know, or whatever it is. Joel, you are, you're the one crafting those things. So you do it on a week to week basis. And those flow out of meditating on the scripture at hand for the day. And so um, I'm not just randomly picking and choosing it. I'm trying to look at the the text that you or whoever's going to be preaching meditating on it, trying to find what is at the heart of this text for the day, usually, and what is the deepest fallen condition that I think needs to be confessed corporately Mm. flowing from that. So then hopefully when we get to, you know, your preaching, maybe, maybe that'll come out or maybe that'll be drawn to mind. They'll find a deeper level of, you know, connection with that. So, um, but even that, it, I think your, conf- the, the depths of your own confession in sin between you and God is going to have a direct correlation to how deeply, like you said, you've held, you've gazed in the mirror, you know, and, and held up the, held up the scriptures to you and said, how do I, comp- um, you're letting that look into your own soul and life. And that yeah. takes time. You got to, yeah. You gotta, yeah, one of the ways that I say that is you don't just read the scriptures, you let the scriptures yes, read you. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And, and you let it that, that examination happen, yeah. and then that provokes repentance. Yeah. Yeah, but there's something deeply broken in us <clears throat> that needs that corporate confession because we very rarely, I've never had anyone repent to me over their greed. Yeah. Or something that's left undone. Yeah. I've never had anyone, yeah. how, just ask you, how often do you repent to God for not sharing your faith 
with right. another person. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this last week, you know, as we saw the Samaritan woman, she comes to faith and immediately in an instant, God turns her from a pagan mm-hmm. into a saint, into a missionary. Yeah. She doesn't go to seminary. She doesn't go anywhere. She doesn't become a theologian. She gets sent right away as a missionary and she goes and tells her story. Mm-hmm. And the confession was about that yes. f- failure to share the goodness of God with other people and yeah. failure to, to embrace the identity of a missionary and tell others the good news about Christ. How often do you repent of that? Right. Or do you just repent because you lost your temper? Do you mm-hmm. just repent because you got anxious today, right. right? There's something about that core. And what I'm saying is as we meditate on the scriptures and if we're bringing in and memorizing the scriptures that are ministering to our deepest needs, not our felt needs, our deepest needs. Mm-hmm. When you walk into the corporate gathering and you're up there, you've already been primed for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your, your heart's already been tilled up. And so now you're not a hypocrite reading some words that Joel wrote. Right. You were like, dang, that's true about me. Yeah. That is true. And I do confess that. And I, I know sometimes we confess that even our confession is half-hearted, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it is a lot of times. <clears throat> so meditation primes our heart for everything the Lord wants to do in us. Mm. If you've meditate on, meditated on the, script, on the scripture that, uh, and of course I, I just lost it in my head, but the wounds of a friend are better than the, profu- the, the, mm. kisses of the, the profuse kisses of, the, of yeah. an enemy or something yeah. like that. When your fight club challenges you on mm. something, Amen. Yeah. your heart will be primed to not be reactive, yeah. to not be um, argumentative, mm-hmm. right? To not try to justify, you'll be like, oh, my brother's trying to love me here. Mm-hmm. He sees something in me that I don't see in myself. And I realize that one of the realities of sin is it blinds us to our sin. Yeah. One of the realities of sin is it hardens our heart to certain things. Mm-hmm. And so... Maybe I've completely lost sight of that, and my kids are, go- you know, in all kind of travel sports, and we're way too busy, and so we're missing missional community, we're missing the Sunday gathering, and I haven't spent any time with the Lord, and and a brother or sister says, "Hey, what's going on with like your travel schedule?" And I, if I'm not meditating on the Word, mm-hmm. then I might get really defensive mm-hmm, sure. in that moment. Sure. Right, but if I'm meditating on the Word, I know this. This guy's doing it because he loves me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my heart, and I'm not saying I won't be, you know, it won't hurt. Yeah. Because that's the whole idea. It's a wound. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. A friend, a true friend stabs you in the front. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the idea. Yeah. Or the conversely, you know, you could take that same scripture and maybe you know that there's something that you need to bring up or that you need to ask that hard question or you, you know, you need to point that thing out. And so you need that verse to not be a coward, you know, and yeah. see, actually, this is what a good friend does. Uh, and so I can speak the truth in love. I can ask the hard question, even though I know this is going to hurt him and I don't want to do that, but it gives you the courage and the biblical conviction to do it. But yeah, you're right. You're not going to get there if you don't really meditate on the implications of what that verse means. Yeah. I th- I'm thinking about the word, uh, when I think of meditation, I think of somebody saying like, oh, I'm going to stew on that. A lot of times my favorite meals that my favorite meal growing up was beef stew and that would take, my mom would prep it in the morning. It would sit in the crock pot all day. 
it would like the smells of it would fill a house, it would fill this like anticipation. So it made it kind of what you're saying at first. It's more than a microwave meal. You know, even now my wife makes these amazing carnitas. She preps them the night before, she puts it in the, so I come home for lunch and it's like been cooking, there's all this stuff in it. It's something that draws something out of the meat and it tenderizes it and it makes it more delicious than fast food or something that, oh, you know, yeah. just, and so that's what I think of when I think of meditation. It's like stewing on it, letting it kind of seep in and smoking it. Yeah. That's how I think it's yeah. smoking it. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we made, uh, I love smoking meat now and it, there's no quick way yeah. to do it. If you want the flavor of that smoke to get into that meat, like a quarter of an inch, the only way to do is to 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 slow smoke that low thing. Low and slow, baby. Low and slow. And the the low the, the lower the heat and the slower you do it, the more flavor gets packed into that meat. And that's the same thing when it comes to scripture. We're meant to meditate on it, to think about it, to <laughs> to waller around in it, okay? Mm-hmm. To to let it saturate yeah. our thinking, our souls, like to to change our affections. And, and when you're talking about your affections, your loves, your desires, God changes those things radically fast sometimes when it comes to conversion. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, he slow roasts mm-hmm. those yeah. things, right? So you love something bad. You love something sinful. Sometimes he supernaturally gives you a, you know, a repulsion of it. It's just, oh, I, I should, I hate, I should hate that now. But most of the time he weans us off of it. He leads us out of it. And it's a slow and gradual, man, I see how this is destructive. Man, I see how this is ruining my life. Man, man, I see how this is not good. And it's just, as I'm meditating on the word, he pulls me out of it. One, one of the things I think of is just the standard of beauty mm. that our culture is mm. propagating and pushing in onto our kids and on, on, onto us, where if you go back 50 years, from 50, just 50 years, most of us dress immodestly. I'm just going to say it. If you go back 100 years, like, we all look like prostitutes and pimps or something, you know, like if you go back to like, we don't realize how our standard of beauty has been changed. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder how many men and women meditate on what the scripture says about modesty. Mm-hmm. And modesty is talked about a lot in the Bible. And there's some very you know, blatant and stark and black and white commands from God in the scripture. And yet modesty is like almost never talked about. And I can guarantee you, and this is not, this is any, any woman who gets confronted by anyone, her husband, another woman in the church, any... If you ever tell any woman that she's dressing immodestly, <laughs> that is not going to go well right. unless she has been meditating on the scriptures, mm-hmm. the scripture's standard of beauty, the scripture's understanding of the body, the scripture's understanding of 
what her body's for and how she's supposed to how she's supposed to dress, mm-hmm. right? And 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 I'm going to add the man in there too. Now I don't it, I don't know if modesty is the right term when it comes to men. I mean, you could obviously be immodest as a man. You know, please don't wear a speedo to church. <laughs> but sometimes when it comes to dress for a church for men, it just becomes we think that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's a sloppiness or it's a casualness. And so we think, oh, God judges the heart, so he doesn't care. Well, no, actually, he does care about, if you read, there's a lot about how men are supposed to dress as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk, talk about priesthood and you talk about all these different things. Um, there's a lot of scriptures in that as well, that we are to um, do everything we do as we're doing it unto the Lord. And that includes the way we dress, the way we handle ourselves, the way we communicate, all these things are meant to be done unto the Lord. And how are you going to know what unto the Lord means if you're not meditating yeah. on scripture? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Right? There's a connection, I think, if we wrap what we've just been talking about. There's a connection between meditation and spiritual vibrancy, like mm-hmm. a life that's really lived unto the Lord. I, I don't think you can arrive at that point mm-hmm. of of being a spirit-filled um, obedient son or daughter of, of the Lord without having time of meditation where your heart is, is being, uh, scrutinized. You're, you're bringing these things to, to examine examination, to repentance, to receiving grace and forgiveness. And then ultimately the spirit's power to walk mm-hmm. in that spiritual vibrancy. Um, med- meditation is a key piece of that. And oftentimes that's overlooked. It's just like, you know, whether it's, I just need to absorb as much content. It's, it's a matter of quantity, not mm. quality, um, time in the Bible. And, and so again, going back, there is a real need for meditation to happen, uh, in the life of a disciple. Yeah. I think a lot of the mistakes that I've made in my past, well, and I make currently are usually tied to a lack of meditation. Like, if I want to buy something, <laughs> if I have the money, boom, 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 Amazon, da, 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 it's already done. And then if somebody says, "Hey, should you have bought that?" I'm like, like, like my immediate response is, "I had the money. Yeah. What what other question did I need to ask?" You know. Um. But when I'm when I'm meditate on things, I start asking myself questions. Why do I want this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the questions I'm trying to get at, am I trying to fill a spiritual need mm-hmm. with something physical here, yeah. right? Do I want to feel successful? Do I want to fit in? Do I want to look cool? Mm-hmm. Do I want to whatever? Do I want to just keep up with the Joneses? And that's usually tied to a lack of meditation on scripture. Even when you think about Jesus as he gave out talents and, um, you know, he rebukes the one guy who only gets one talent and the guy buries it in the ground because Mm -hmm. he knows that he says God is a harsh taskmaster and he he was afraid. Well, that guy wasn't meditating on scripture Mm -hmm. because that's not who God is. That's not what God's like. And the other guys who were given five, 10, and they went and multiplied it. Yeah. Right? That's what God is like. Mm-hmm. God gives us things 
to enjoy, but also to invest and to bring out a greater um, increase for his kingdom, right? Yeah. And so I think just for me personally, I think a lot of mistakes I've made, I could look back and say, oh man, I just didn't spend too much time really meditating on was that a wise decision? Is that what God would have for me in this moment? Is that a good use of my time? Is that a good use of my resource? Right? And one of the signs that a person isn't meditating on when we're making a decision like that is how many Christians that you know did you invite into that decision? Mm. Right? Mm. We, we've had a practice as a church that I don't know, I don't know how often we've been doing it lately, but it used to be normal before you move, yeah. before you buy a house, before you make a big decision about a career change or even buying a new car. Now, if your car breaks down, that's something totally different. Well, maybe, no, I guess it's not because you could buy a car that meets your needs or you could buy a car that tells the world how success, successful you are, mm -hmm. right? And usually one comes with a lot bigger payment than the other. Uh, but we used to have a common practice around here of just inviting our missional community or inviting our fight club into that decision. Mm. I'm thinking about making a career change and letting other Christians come in and say, okay, why do you want to do that? Mm -hmm. How are you processing that? What's your thoughts? So maybe all, in a sense, all decisions are flowing from you meditating on something. Mm -hmm. And so... That's a good point. Maybe you, maybe you posted this yesterday, which I thought was provo uh, provoking. Like, uh, the, we used to say in the church, like, and I still think it holds up, like, if you want to see what you're all about, like, look at your bank account. Well, now we have this digitalized version of what you're all about because it's on your For You page. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see what you've been meditating on and what you're into and, you know, just open up your Instagram and your For You or whatever, your TikTok For You page or whatever, and you're, you're, you're basically seeing a, mm. a pretty accurate depiction of probably what you've been meditating on. Mm. And therefore you have this standard that... <laughs> probably has nothing to do with the word of God, but you're right. being discipled, you're, you're meditating and stewing on these things that are driving your affections, driving your loves, and then, and then you buy and whatever. So, Well, that's a great point. If we want to know what meditation, the world knows what meditation's about. Mm -hmm. It's attention. It's attention, man. It's yeah. attention. And if they can get your attention they get your heart. Mm -hmm. So if they can get you and they get your bank account. So if they get you to med, so if you open up your for you page and it's all, you know, fashion, yeah. it's all sneakers. It's all bourbon. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. all this highly sexualized yes. stuff. Yep. The, your, the algorithm knows what you're meditating on. Yeah. Dang, mm -hmm. which is which is even more interesting because we started off the podcast talking about some some kind of secular forms of meditation, where it's kind of this emptying your mind. But as as we're thinking about this, as this is developing, it's like that that's that's been put out there as a distraction, right? To to distract from true meditation, but you know Satan is co-opting true meditation through 
these kinds of things that we're talking about now. That's so true. I've never, I've literally never, I'm discovering this on this podcast yeah, right now. Me too. I've never thought <laughs> about that's what Instagram and TikTok yeah. and Facebook is all about. It's to get you to meditate on a product mm -hmm. that they're trying to tempt you to believe that the good life is found in fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. Another vacation, another outfit, another pair of designer jeans, another handbag, <laughs> another bike. Yeah. I'm naming myself. I have a yeah. stupid another example. Bourbon. Literally today. Hey, watch yourself, Kevin. <laughs> Literally today. I, I don't even know what it was. I. It, it's like my phone noticed that I, I, I was scrolling on something and it was like this alien thing. I don't know. And it noticed that I like went... I went down and I went back up or whatever to like see what that was. And then the next five posts, it's like it knows instantly. Oh, mm -hmm. that caught your attention for about 10 more seconds than everything else did. I'm going to keep showing you this. And I was like, I don't really care about aliens that much. It, Clearly you do. But you, I do. you just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just teach you to so, Yeah. Um, uh. Yeah. So that's the, that's the goal. That's interesting. That's the goal of social media. It shows you the power of meditation. What they can get you to meditate on, they get you to do. They get you to buy. Yeah. They get you to focus on. <clears throat> and so God tells us this, Psalm 1, mm -hmm. that our attention needs to be captured mm -hmm. by the Word of God primarily. Mm -hmm. And the Word of God, and that's, that's Jesus Christ. So, man, there, so I, I, when you see this generation and you go out into public and you see the kids... And I'm not even going to, you know what, I'm going to take that back. Not even just the kids. Because nearly everyone with a smartphone is scrolling yeah. something mm -hmm. all the time. And scrolling is meditation. And the interesting thing, I've always thought like, dude, I have five minutes on a line here. I'm just going to, mm. and, and this is almost like an Eastern meditation I'm just going to veg out. Mm -hmm. I want to distract myself from this boring moment in my life that I'm waiting for this slow checkout person. So I'm going to check out and empty myself and just scroll in the moment. And in a sense, it's a counterfeit meditation. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, It's a counterfeit meditation. What would our soul be like? What would our mind be like? What would our spiritual life be like? If we said, I have one minute in this line, I'm going to open up scripture. Mm -hmm. I'm going to open up my Bible app. Yeah. It's a game changer. In this one, in this one moment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work on that verse I've been memorizing. Yeah. I'm going to work on this verse I'm memorizing. Man, yeah. it's an interesting thought. So, so, and I think it's challenging and I think it's something that, that, we, need to, that we need to take seriously. And we need to see uh, behind social media and this mm -hmm. whole world that we're in that we need to be people who are meditating on the word of God day and night, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Not just Sunday morning, not just at, on, on MC, not just in the morning. You know, David talks about how often he prayed and how often mm -hmm. he meditates in the watches of the night. Yeah. That's an interesting mm -hmm. piece of this conversation. Uh, the fact that day and night are often tethered to the idea of meditation and and nighttime and sleep and, and a lot of times anxiety gets the best at your laying in bed. Your mind's racing 100 miles an hour. You can't fall asleep. 
and there, there's this real thing where upon my bed, I meditate on, on the word um, and how meditation can be a means of grace, a way. And I was just thinking about the, the sort of the product of meditation. Uh, Psalm 1 talks about fruitfulness. But I think that another product of meditation is stability. It gives you this, it anchors you. It gives you this steadfastness. It gives you this ability. I, I was thinking of Isaiah 26. It says, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you mm-hmm. because he trusts in you. And so the ability to, to have the steadfastness, the stability uh, of setting our mind on on not the sinking sand, but on the word of God, the rock, mm-hmm. and giving us this foundation that, yeah, when, when my mind is at rest in the truth, the reality, true reality, the true reality of God, I don't have to be anxious. And that's one of the reasons why we're inv- invited, commanded to cast our cares and our anxieties upon him. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants to bring us into a place of peace, a place of stability that in this chaotic world that we live in, and, and you can just, I mean, you can get overwhelmed looking at the, the news cycle for the day. So much bad stuff's going on in the world. And if, if that's our, if that's the ground that we stand on, if that's the sinking sand, then man, we're just going down. But if I'm able to meditate on the word of God and have this foundation that, that is not sinkable, that gives me the ability to to float, to be buoyant in mm-hmm. the cares of the storm of this world. Yeah, that meditate only meditation can really offer us that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does this jive with? Uh, just as you're talking, I was thinking about Calvin said, "Without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God." I've always found that to be a, a peculiar. I, I think it's true, but we're we're talking about as we're meditating, we're meditating on God, we're meditating on his word. It seems like Calvin might be saying, like, I have to meditate on myself too. So is that just... So that's in the Institutes, and it's one of the first things he talks about, but he, he that's not the full quote. He also talks about without a knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of self. Mm. So it's okay. so one yeah. so the idea is I have to know that I am finite, that I am limited, mm-hmm. that I am broken, mm-hmm. that I am sinful before I will understand who God is yeah. and my need for God. But also I gotta know who God is before I can actually understand myself. Right, right, so yeah. if I don't know God, I'm just a, people say this all the time. Oh yeah, well, you know, you're only human. Yeah. You're yeah. only human. You're only human. And you're like, well, that doesn't explain anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Why, why, I don't say, well, it's only a squirrel. That squirrel is a perfect squirrel all the time. That animal is a perfect animal all the time. Why would I say it's only a squirrel? Like a squirrel is what a squirrel does. But why would I think I'm only human? Mm. Well, I'm saying that to justify a sin. I'm saying that to justify a weakness, something mm-hmm. broken in me. Why, what proves that I'm only human? I have a desire that's beyond that. I have a desire for eternal life. I have a yeah. desire for perfection. I have a desire for sinlessness. Why would I have a desire? A squirrel doesn't have that desire. A monkey right. doesn't have that desire. An animal doesn't have, I have that desire because I've been made in the image of God. Yeah. And God is limitless, and God is holy, and God is perfect. God is beautiful. God is good. God is true. And I, unlike any animal, have a desire to be perfectly true, perfectly good, and perfectly beautiful mm-hmm. because I was made in the image of God. Yeah. And yet I can never accomplish that in my own self without Christ. But in Christ, I'm promised I will be all those things. Yeah. Not that I'll be God, but I will be little lowercase g, gods. Mm-hmm. That's the promise that Mm -hmm. we're going to become like him in that way, Mm -hmm. right? So I'll never understand God unless I understand myself, okay? 
but I'll never understand myself unless I understand yeah. God. Mm -hmm. That's what Calvin's getting at there in his, one of his first chapters in the Institutes. That's good. So, so all of this comes out of just meditating on the scriptures, mm -hmm. right? Lots of ways to do that. There's podcasts that can help you do that. Hopefully we help you do that. There's sermons that can help you do that. And then sometimes it's just getting on the front porch with a good cup of coffee. And as you're reading the scripture, whatever you underlined that day, whatever you highlighted that day, spend an extra five minutes thinking about it. What does this mean for me? Mm -hmm. Are there some questions that you would ask yourself as you're sitting there? You know, idea. you want to you want to meditate. You want to go deep in the Word. What are some questions of examination that allow you to spend time in meditation? <clears throat> yeah, one of the ones that I like. We use these when we go through the story of God mm -hmm. at Sacred City. Is how would my life be different? Yeah, mm -hmm. if I believed this and actually put this into practice, right? How would my life be different? And I just think about it. Another one, so when we're in missional community, how would my community be different if we actually loved each other like this? Mm -hmm. If we actually bore each other's burdens like this? Yeah. If we actually encouraged each other as long as it's called today, like we're encouraging each other towards life and godliness. How would our community be different? What would our city look like if everyone did this? Yeah, there's there's some imagination that's at play, the, the, the redeemed imagination that allows us to sort of envision the telos, what we're aiming for, what, what we believe God wants to do that will kind of excite us to see the word of God mm -hmm. actually manifest in our lives yeah. that, that I think really powerful. And you could all say, what does this text say about God? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. What's God like? Yeah. And you just start meditating on it. What does this text say about Jesus? Mm -hmm. Right? How does this point to Jesus? Mm -hmm. What does this say about the world? What does this say about me? Just meditating on it. One of the things I'm getting ready to preach on Jesus uh, interacting with um, the, uh, what's it called? He's called a... He's an official. An official. He's an official, right? Sam's about to do it too. <clears throat> and... Jesus basically speaks a word. He says, all right, fine, your son's going to be healed. <laughs> and the guy believes Jesus at his word mm -hmm. and just goes back and, and marches to a two-day journey back home and then finds that his son got healed. So he, he takes Jesus. The idea is the Pharisees, the people in Jesus' home region of Galilee and Judea, they all demand signs. But the Samaritan woman, she didn't need a sign. Mm -hmm. Jesus said one thing to her, and she took him at his word. And now this guy, who is a Gentile official, he takes Jesus at his word, and he doesn't need another sign. He doesn't need water into wine. He doesn't need any miracle. And so there's this, he's, he's, he's showing the difference between eye faith that demands a sign and word faith that just takes Jesus at his word. And as I started meditating on that, I thought, man, this goes against everything in our scientific materialist mm -hmm. universe to actually believe Jesus's word that in a moment he could speak and heal somebody mm. goes against everything we believe. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking and meditating on the scientific materialist worldview and how impotent, boring, and lame it is, mm -hmm. I started thinking like, 
and we've talked about this before, you know, like why, okay, I, I'm, I'm on a planet that's spinning a thousand miles an hour that's made up of mostly lava. And yet we're sitting here smoking cigars and speaking into a mic and not flying off into the universe. Yeah. <laughs> How is this happening? And science says, well, well it's gravity. And we go, oh, okay, cool. And then we move on to something else. Instead of going, wait, but what is gravity? And watching the most brilliant scientific minds, eyes glaze over, and they start mumbling mumbo jumbo that doesn't make sense because we don't even understand gravity. Mm-hmm. And G.K. Chesterton in his book, Orthodoxy, says, oh, no, 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 it's not gravity, it's magic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's magic. It's supernatural. Jesus, the word of God, says, world spin, humans stand still. You can call it gravity, but Jesus is the one doing it. Mm -hmm. Chesterton says, why does an apple tree take sunlight, water, and air and turn it into apples? And Mm -hmm. science says, oh, it's photosynthesis. And we go, oh, okay, cool. And we move on. Instead of going, wait, what is photosynthesis? Why yeah. does it do that? Yeah. How, who, who told it to do that? Yeah. How, how does that happen? Yeah. And Chesterton says, oh no, that's a magic tree. Mm-hmm. That apple tree is magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why does water run downhill? It's, it's magic. magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what I hear you saying is like, it, it reminds me of the truth on its own. Okay, but you, I think it, what you're talking about is almost like a beauty piece and a goodness piece. Mm-hmm. It, it's the truth beauty and goodness. Well, maybe that's a good question to, to, to ponder when you're thinking about a scripture. What's true about this? Mm-hmm. What's beautiful about this? Yeah. What's good about this? Mm-hmm. Because that's going to get you to, well, those, all those things are, are flowing from, from God and who he is. So, yeah. um, cause that's such a, like, yeah, gravity. Okay, cool. Woohoo. But ma- like thinking of it as magic, I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful that we're not spending, you know, we get to enjoy this. I, mean, I get to enjoy looking at that tree out the window and it's like, <clears throat> and what is that? It's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's true that it's a tree. So truth, beauty, and goodness, that's got to be in there too. Yeah. And so uh, the question is, how does this text lead me to the good life? Yeah. Because the good life is the life that's oriented to God, yeah. goodness, truth, and beauty. Yeah. How does this text lead me to the good life? It's not enough to just say, oh yeah, that sunset, you know, it's a chemical reaction and blah, 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 blah. No. Chesterton again says, no, God painted it. Mm. And God tells the sun, Mm -hmm. do it again Mm -hmm. every single day. And so I'm putting together, Jesus is the word. The word is life and light of men. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that was made that was not made through him. So the reason the sunset is the way that it is is because Jesus said, I want it like that today. Mm -hmm. The reason water runs downhill is because Jesus told it to run downhill and it's not disobeying him. (laughs) And you, yeah, it's magic because he's the center of the universe holding all things together. Mm -hmm. And when I read scripture like that and I'm meditating on it like that, Mm -hmm. it blows my mind. Like why does an egg turn into a chicken and then a chicken makes an egg. Well, you science doesn't have a good answer for this. It's that way because God said it's that way. Mm-hmm. So meditate on the God who does things like that. Yeah. Right? It just it open up your worldview, it'll open up your eyes. I think Jesus does it <clears throat> last week when he said, "Look at the fields, they're white with harvest." Mm. Disciples are worried about 
lunch. The you know like and Jesus is like you need a better imagination. Yeah. The field is white with harvest and doing the mission of God is more important than lunch. Right? Right now is time for harvest and every farmer knows when it's harvest time you eat when you can eat. But the most important thing is to get the fe- to get the harvest in. Mm-hmm. And I think we're in that we're in that moment right now. We need that we need to be a, a meditating on how are the fields white with harvest? Yeah. And I, I've just, I think God's changed my perspective. I am no longer just wringing my hands and frustrated over the brokenness of our society mm-hmm. and waiting for a Jonah to show up, waiting for a Martin Luther to show up, waiting for a Calvin to show up, waiting for a Spurgeon to show up. Guess who's, guess who's here? Us. us yeah. God wrote us right. into this season. Yeah. And so we need to trust God. And I, I used this analogy a couple weeks ago. I'm never going to be upset if a farmer lets me come fish his pond and goes, hey, man, listen, I just have like 10,000 fish in this pond and go ahead. I'm like, oh, um, if I know that there is a lot of fish in this pond, how, how amazing is my time going to be? When I look around and I see our city darker than ever, mm-hmm. more broken than ever, mm-hmm. more lost than ever, there's a lot of fish in this pond, right? Yeah. right? And God is, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Yeah. And he put us here to fish. Yeah. Amen. He put us here to fish. Everything you're saying is the complete opposite of what your Facebook feed, meditating on your Facebook feed would tell you. Yes. To how to feel. It would say, Christian, be discouraged. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. There's nothing you can do. How in the world is Jesus ever going to redeem this? Only by meditating on the words of Jesus and on the word would give you that sort of imagination and give you that mm-hmm. more hopeful eschatology, if you want to call it that, give, give you that worldview that says actually this is the perfect time mm. to reap, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I said it last week or two weeks ago. Our country, and by that I mean this dirt that we, are on, that we, we walk, was once 100% pagan. <laughs> it was 100% pagan, worshiping all kind of deities and all kind of different things. Mm-hmm. And yet it was Christianized. Yep. And now there's still millions of Christians that call United States of America home. Mm-hmm. So if God Christianized a 100% pagan, quote unquote, nation, continent, whatever you want to say, why can't he do it again? Right. Why can't he do it again? I think he can. Right. I think he's going to. I think the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And why not us? Now, it might be 100 years. It might be 1,000 years. I have no idea. But we're here for a reason. Right, and this is the season that God's called us to do, and God has put us here for such a time as this. So, let's meditate on Scripture more than we meditate on Fox News, mm-hmm. or CNN, or our Facebook feed, or our Instagram, or I mean, for God forbid, your TikTok. You should mm-hmm. just get rid of that one. But whatever. <clears throat> so, <laughs> all right. Any other thoughts on meditation? That's good. Cool. All right. Well, if you have any questions on meditation, please email me, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We'd love to answer those. Or if you have just any thoughts, anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless. Mm -hmm.